0: Eternity's not long enough. You know what you're going to do when you get to heaven? The opposite of what you're doing right now. You're like, right now we're like, how's your day? Oh, it's been so hard. (laughs) Like all you're going to do forever and ever and ever is praise him for all that he's done. You might as well get in practice right now. (laughs) Look at Mark chapter five and stand with me. Mark chapter five and stand with me. I I do want to take a moment to thank uh, all those that are putting their abilities to work in the music department and uh, Cadence, I, I mean this. We we need you. We will be glad to pay for your lessons if necessary. But uh, we we definitely want more people involved in using their abilities for the Lord. I appreciate. You know, we got a, the guitar and we got the piano and we got the violin and and uh, is it a trombone? Is that what it is? I don't I don't know anything about French horn. French horn. I'm so sorry. I, Kaylee's like you idiot. <laughs> See, when someone studies music, you can tell they're like, "Oh my lord, what?" It's almost like if I misquoted a verse in a Bible school, student right there, he just messed up. You know, uh, Mark, Mar chapter five. I appreciate it though; it's a real blessing, and I do want to say thanks as well to Brother Joe. Um, our our music, uh, I don't know, whatever ministry has just taken a notch up, and and that's not because of Pastor Adrian. And, and I, I know he doesn't want the you know attention and spotlight. But it takes someone leading something for it to move in the right direction. And um, I appreciate that. Look at Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter number 5. That's the last time I'll be nice to you today, Joe. Just want you to know that. <laughs> Mark chapter 5. Look, if you would, at verse number 21. Verse number 21. Uh, do you realize that what you touch affects you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Bible talks about that numerous times. Uh, we're going to learn about a woman that that touched the Lord, and there was nothing wrong or inappropriate about it. As a matter of fact, it was the right kind of touch. And uh, look at Mark chapter five and verse twenty-one. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, and if you're not familiar with the passage. They had left uh, uh, one side of the lake of the sea, if you will, to go over to the the country of the Gadarenes. And when they got there, they met a maniac, uh, someone that was, uh, we don't have this person's name. We call him the Maniac of Gadara. When we get to heaven, he's like, he's probably going to say, quit calling me that. Like, I got a new name now, amen? Amen. But that's who he was before he met Jesus Christ. And so after they went through that experience, they're going to go right back to where they came from. And uh, what it says here is, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And verse 22, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. In this situation, someone is petitioning God for the Lord to step and put His hands on something to bring healing. Pay attention to that. That's that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Uh, But but just let's keep reading. Look down, if you would, at verse 24. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. That means he's just kind of in a crowd. He's just trying to make his way to where this, this man's daughter is at. And the Bible says in verse 25, that somebody else kind of steps into the scene and interrupts uh, the path that Jesus is on. And i got to be honest with you, if I'm Jairus, if I'm the man whose daughter is sick, and and I'm leading Jesus to where my daughter is at, and some other woman comes up and has a problem, my first response is, lady, get out of the way. Aren't you glad God is in that way with you? This is awesome. Look at this. The Bible says in verse 25, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had. It was nothing better, but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus. You know what that means? Someone told her about Him. Yeah. They don't know who they are, but they're going to get something in heaven for that. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched His garment. For she said, if I may touch but His clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And I gotta tell you, when I read this, all I could think of is my teenage and college-age daughters fighting. <laughs> Who touched my clothes? <laughs> That's what I thought of when I read this. Of course, the Lord didn't have a problem with it like they do. But, but he said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And He looked around about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came. Notice, notice it, it wasn't done on her, it was done in her. Get a hold of that. It was done in her, came and fell down before him. And told them all the truth. Would to God, some of God's people would just fall down before him and just tell him everything that's going on in here. Amen. And he said to her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. It's, uh, it's good to have visiting family here uh, from out of country. Brother Jason, uh, appreciate the, the work you've been involved in there in Canada. And it's belated, but happy Canada Day. (laughs) As us Americans say, happy America 0.5 day. (laughs) Brother, if you would open us up in a word of prayer. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you would. Can I point out to you in the passage that it describes this woman, and by the way, she has no name. This says a certain woman. And, and I, would, I would subscribe to you today that, that oftentimes the way that God deals with us is so different than how the world deals with us. Aren't you thankful for that? Because in the world, you're just another face in the crowd. You're an unnamed, uh, you know, someone recently was asking me about uh, why would God have to be a person? They were not asking disrespectfully. They were asking sincerely and honestly. Uh, they were a, uh, uh, someone that had their child uh, join us for VBS, and they're asking some Bible questions, and, and, and so they said, well, why would God even need to be a person? I said, well, what are you? Are you a blob of, of cells and organs with no thought and no personality and no character? I'm thankful that my God's a person and that he connects with people and that he looks at us and doesn't just necessarily see us as another face in the crowd that we don't know this woman's been here's what we know about her she has an issue of blood and she's had it for 12 years now now obviously in the story it's a physical problem it's a physical ailment but I want to subscribe to today that, that there's all kinds of issues that are represented in this room right now can I get a witness none of us are without issues this morning And the reality is just because they are not surface and just because you can't see the issues flowing physically out of my body, as was the case with this woman, does not mean you don't have issues that are below the surface, that need to be dealt with, that can only be dealt with by Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to make sure very, very clearly, I'm not, I'm not here to profess that I've got the gift of healing that you see the, apost- the apostles have, the apostolic signs. That's not what we're talking about. Jesus had that as a very unique sign gift to the people of Israel. But from a spiritual standpoint, I would say this, every one of us has issues. They're below the surface. We don't all know what they are, but God does. And I want you to understand that earlier in this passage, there's a man named Jairus that understands that his daughter is sick, and she's nine. One passage says nine to death; other passage says he had just died. You say, "Oh, the Bible contradicts." No, when he first approaches the Lord, in his mind, she's nine to death. By the time he gets there, she's dead. No contradiction at all. But he gets there, and by the time he gets there, his daughter is now dead. And he goes, Lord, you can just put your hand on her, and she'll be healed. And he was 100% right for saying that. And let me tell you something, there's nothing like having the hand of God and the finger of God on your life. But, but I want to show you that in this passage, while Jairus sought for the Lord to go to her, and, and for the Lord to touch his daughter, because the daughter, listen to me, could not come to Jesus in the condition that she was in. But then there's this woman, and she's had an issue. Just like Jesus says that he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know what that is? That is something that flows out of you. The issues, you say, what is that? Something, a river issues its way down a certain course. When it talks about an issue of blood, it was something that was physically flowing out of her. But what I want you to understand is this. There are issues in your life way deeper than any physical ailment you could ever have. You know, one time the the Pharisees come to go, na, 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 na. You know, remember when COVID was going on? And like you go everywhere you went, there like, like posters everywhere, wash your hands for 30 seconds. Sing the alphabet. Do like this, you know, do the surgeon thing. And I thought to myself, like, I'm a 40 year old man. I don't need someone to tell me how to wash my hands. Right. Like, this is kindergarten stuff. I almost wonder. I, like, I was like, wait a minute, you're telling me that the other 8 billion people on the planet did not know how to wash their hands? <laughs> Maybe there is the problem. I don't know. But but like, seriously, you know, everywhere you go, there's these signs about washing your hands. So one time the Pharisees come, they go, Lord. You know what your disciples are doing? We got it on video. It's on TikTok. It's on Insta. It's real. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere. You say, what's going on? What great grave sin did they commit? They, they were eating without washing their hands. <laughs> Unwashing hands. And the Lord goes, huh? Yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's a problem. Big problem. Peter, you know better than that. Yeah? I told you about that salmonella, didn't I? I told you. That. But then he goes on to say this. That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men perceive evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts. And some of you ladies are like, see that, men are just terrible. How about covetousness? <laughs> Got to get me them shoes, lady. Mm-mm. It's on 70% off. It's on 70% off because they marked it up 80 Can I get a witness, gentlemen? Help me out here. All the guys are all quiet. Preacher, you're on your own on that one. (laughs) Wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye. You know what an evil eye says? An evil eye is the eye that's always looking for a problem with somebody else. It's going, you know what? I bet the reason they're doing that is this. And I bet the reason, and you're trying to play God. And God goes, that is an evil eye. Blasphemy, pride foolishness all these evil things come from within and defile the man you know what the issues of life are they're below the surface and everyone in this room's got them right. Amen. and whether you've got the outside figured out or not you know what you might think you might think just like in that time you know what it was to be that woman that woman would have been considered unclean as a matter of fact leviticus everybody's favorite book in the bible right Leviticus says, and if, don't laugh like that. Some of you, you get to Exodus, and after that you get to Leviticus, you're like, Pastor, do you really think I have to read the whole Bible? <laughs> and then, like, you, you trudge your way through Leviticus, and then you're like, yeah, praise the Lord. I'm like, well, there is numbers. Yeah. Right? And then you get Deuteronomy, you're like, wait a minute, I feel like I'm reading the same story again. Du, dos, du, two. it's retelling stuff that already took place. i like, Lord, get me out of here. Then you get to Joshua, and if you're a lady, you're like, everyone's dying and being killed and slaughtered, and it's like, where is it? I just want to get to Psalms. Well, you got to get through a lot of other stuff to get there. <laughs> Leviticus is hard to get through because it's a lot about blood about sacrifices, and about what's clean, and, and what's unclean, and, 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 and if leprosy shows up, what are the signs of leprosy, and how do you get cured of it, and how do you become clean? It, it, it begs this question in the book of Leviticus, how can something that is unclean become clean? I'm thankful that Jesus Christ answers that in the New Testament, because if it wasn't for that, I'd still be unclean right now. This woman had an it, The Bible says in Leviticus 15, if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days. Well, that sounds sexist. Kind of does. You know what it says for the men? Same thing when they got leprosy. You know, the, the reality is this. Whether you're a man or a woman in the Old Testament, it shows a spiritual lesson, which is we're all unclean. But can you imagine having an issue of blood and then it's discovered <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember during... Uh, I don't know why I'm thinking of COVID so much, right? Now, but remember during the, the the COVID year, 2020, the year that we would all like to kind of forget about. Um, remember being on an, on like in a public space and you cough? And you start talking to yourself, don't lie. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Like I'm the only one that did this. Oh, these stupid allergies. Right? Because you you know they're thinking like... Oh, they're like triple masking, you know, and, and doing all this kind of stuff. Because I saw people, I remember getting on a plane and, and it's, you know, people were like sanitizing themselves. You know, I actually saw a grown man, put this on. I'm like, bro, that ain't lotion. That's sanitizer. Watch out. Because you, nobody wants to be the person coughing on a plane or a bus during COVID. You don't want anyone to treat you like, I'm going to forget, I was uh, seven, eight years old in uh, Bootsbach, Germany, military housing, and I got chicken pox. Any of you raised in the 70s and 80s and 90s know what chickenpox was like? Yeah. I don't, is that still a thing? Do kids still even get it? No? no they got vaccines now. Okay. All right. Well, wait, wait a couple years until they got ultra-megaton chicken pox. <laughs> Run for your lives, you know. Anyways, it's made in the lab. <laughs> I, was, I was eight years old, and I was sitting there, and I was, I was standing outside of my, the, uh, my house, and there's a little balcony in the, the military housing. And my friends knew that I had stayed home. It was the second day I was home. And they knew I stayed home because I had chicken pox. But they're walking by. I'm like, hey, guys. <laughs> and they looked at me and they're like. <laughs> and I was like, "Dad, don't want to play. You know what it was like during COVID? Same thing. Do you know what it was like for this woman? It was like that times 20. Because the very law of God pronounced her unclean. And you know what you're supposed to do when things are unclean and they're not quarantined and they're not being healed? There's a spiritual lesson in there, by the way. Listen, uh, there are certain people that whenever they're not where they ought to be, what they end up doing is contaminating everything that they... Do you realize there, there are some people in the situation they're in that you yourself cannot fix? They got to go to Jesus. You're not going to fix them. Right. And let me help you young ladies out as well. If you want to you know, marry a fixer-upper, a, you know, a fix and flip, you're going to be doing a lot of flipping, I'll tell you that. <laughs> not sure how much fixing you'll be doing. But, but the, re- the reality is this. There are some things that can only be fixed by touching Jesus Christ. That's right, exactly. The Bible says about the, this woman in Leviticus 15, everything that she sitteth upon shall be unclean. Whosoever toucheth her bed shall wash his clothes. Imagine just being the pariah of society. Whosoever touches anything that she sat upon shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. And that person that touched something that, uh, that the unclean person sat on, they would not have to wash themselves, and they themselves would be considered unclean until the even. So can you imagine a person like that walking through a crowd? Nobody wants to get near that person right. if they know what they got. The Bible says if a woman have, Leviticus 15 25, an issue of blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, listen to me, all the days of her issue of uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. You know what I'm thankful for after meeting Jesus? I'm thankful that there are things in this world that my flesh is, is, is attracted to, but I'm so thankful that when it comes to the real Adrian, the soul, my soul will never be unclean again. Amen. I, I'm thankful that it is, it is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says, Whosoever toucheth those things shall be unclean. Just like the leper would walk through a crowd and that leper would say, Unclean! unclean. Those people that saw this when I guarantee you she probably covered her face and tried to cover the part of her body where the issue of blood was taking place. And I guarantee you that she knew that if anybody else knew what she had, they would all scream at her and they would mandate that she go back and get into a place separate from everybody else. Hey lady, we can't help you. And the world is right when they say that. The world can't help you, but Jesus can. You know, I think it's interesting in the Bible is how God will just, the Lord Jesus will just say certain things and they'll happen. Lazarus come forth and he comes forth. That centurion that has a sick servant, Jesus just spoke the word and, and then the, the, the servant was healed. And yet there's other times where the Lord would touch somebody. Maybe the, the blind in Matthew 20, he would touch their eyes and their sight would be restored. There's something about, listen, think about this. All of creation was spoken into existence with the exception of one part, you. You he did first, he took your, his finger and he went like this, took some dirt, and went like this and started, let's put the ears here, you know, let's put the legs here and the arms here. And, and the Lord goes, there it is. But something's wrong. Amen. And then Adam opened his eyes for the first time. You're different, though. You know how you started? You started with the Lord touching you. You're different than the rest of creation. You know what that shows me? The Lord desires to be connected with you. I remember reading a story about a, a man. I think I've shared this before with our church. Robert Sumner tells a story about a man in Kansas City It was, uh, I think he was working in a manufacturing facility and there was an explosion, some kind of accident. The man lost his hands, he lost his eyesight, and he barely had feeling in other parts of his body. He had just gotten saved. Right, and and he had just gotten saved. He survived this incident, but now here is this man who just got saved, and he's told you should read your Bible, and now he can't read his Bible. So he heard about a woman that learned to read the Bible with her lips on braille by touching it. That's why I'm be honest with you. I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong or sinful for having a digital Bible, and they're they're handy sometimes to look up a verse. But there is nothing like physically turning a page and laying your fingers on God's book. This man picks up the Bible and grabs it in Braille, and he goes, okay, here we go. Then he realizes he has no feeling in his lips. The nerves on the end of of his lips had also been destroyed. So here is this man who has no way of reading the Bible. And as he is sobbing because he can't read his Bible, Accidentally, his tongue pops out of his mouth. You got to get a baby? Put that baby under control. Everybody clap for mama on that one. There you go. Get her! Get her! <laughs> this man gets on and he starts crying, and as he cries, his tongue pops out of his mouth and he goes, I can feel that. By the time that preacher, Robert Sumner, told the story and wrote it in a book, that man had read through his Bible four times. By his tongue, listen to me. Touching the pages, touch is important. The sense of touch is very important. As a matter of fact, Eve does something. She lies, adds something to the word of God. She goes, well, "God said we can't eat it. We can't even touch it." God never said that. At one time, Jacob is wrestling, just like these young guys do at summer camp. Jacob is wrestling, but he's wrestling the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord touches his thigh, and for the rest of his life, he kind of walks with a limp. You might remember over in the book of Daniel that the finger of God shows up and starts writing. That's where we get the phrase, the handwriting on the wall. You you, you might remember that Paul says this, wherefore, come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. You see, there are things in our lives that God does not want us to touch. You you have a little kid, a a two-year-old, don't touch, you know what they're gonna wanna do? And you sit there and you go, don't touch. And you go like this. And they go, ah. (laughs) Because they just want to know what it feels like to touch the thing that they should not touch. Can I tell you as a Christian, when God tells you not to touch something, don't touch it. I can also tell you that there are some things in your life that will never get better until you touch and get a hold of Jesus Christ. I love that Jesus asked in verse 31, who touched me? Can I say this? Number one, the right touch takes ownership. Look at verse number 28. Verse 28. For she said, if... What's the next word? I. I. If I may touch. If I may but touch his clothes... You know, what, you know what I see in this one? I, I see someone that understands throughout the Bible. When Listen, in the book of Daniel, the, the, the Lord touches Daniel, and he stands upright. One time he touches Daniel, and he gets on all fours. One time he touches Daniel's mouth, and he speaks the word of God. She understood that when God touches something, things move in the right direction. And she also understood nobody else is willing to touch me and bring me to Jesus Christ. Listen, let me tell you right now. It is a blessing to have a Bible-believing church. Some people around who are not, they're not worried about getting their hands a little dirty when sinners come in and go, I'm not sure where to go from here. Let me grab you. I'm unclean. Well, guess what? So was I when Jesus met me. Here this woman is. She's got nobody to take her. She understands if I'm going to get things right with God, it will not be because of others. Christians, can I say this? There are some things you, you look and you go, if my spouse would get right, if my kids would learn, if, if church would just do this, if pastor would preach less, uh, you know, for less than an hour and a half, if, if it's so-and-so, then I would be able to, and God's going, no, this is on you. The issues of your life are ones that you allowed to flow in, and now they're flowing out, and as a believer, it's your job to get to Jesus. I think oftentimes the problem is this. We're always like, God, here's where I'm at. Come on, catch up. And Lord's like, I'm not moving in that direction. I'm over here. If you want to touch, come this way. That's right, yeah. You have to require some accountability, some ownership, and some lack of victim mentality. Instead of me saying, well, if it wasn't for this, I'd be, you know what that woman could have said? No one wants to touch me. Nobody wants to be around me. Why in the world am I going to even bother going to Jesus? But she took ownership. You might say, I blow up at people. I have an issue with anger. Well, I learned it from my dad. Okay. All right. Maybe you did. Where do we go from here? I have an issue with lust. Okay. I was exposed. Okay. Where do we go from here? I have an issue with Pride. Oh, Pastor, I don't have an issue with pride. I don't think of myself as better than others. No, sir, I do not. Matter of fact, I think of myself so much... Okay, stop right there. You know, I think pride is oftentimes not so much found in you thinking better of yourself than other people as much as just you thinking of you all the time. I, I have an issue with covetousness, and I want what that person has. I have an issue with with my marriage, and my marriage stinks, and it's all his fault. Can I get a witness, ladies? Amen. Yeah. I have a problem with authority, and I don't like to submit. Can I say those are issues in your life? I read this. All we have to do to create the future is to change the nature of our conversations, to go from blame to ownership and from bargaining to commitment. Can I, I read this as well. The right thing to do and the hard thing to do are usually the same. You know how hard it would have been to be that woman and to say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to where the masses are thronging Jesus, where my life would be in jeopardy if they found out who I was, and I'm going to push my way through that crowd. That's the hardest thing to do for that woman. And yes, she goes, it's, it's on me. I don't know the story. I don't know what was going on in her life. I have no idea. You could say, was it because of sin? Was it? I don't know. Here's what I know. She had an issue in her life. It lasted for 12 years. She tried everything else, and she said, man, if I'm going to try anything else at this point in my life, it's going to be me going to where the Lord is at. Amen. If there's something I've learned in over a decade of ministry, it's this. I need to quit inviting God where I'm at and just figure out where he's at and go there Amen. I like the story of Zacchaeus I say why earlier Ryan and Gideon were standing there toward the back of the church and I walked in between them. I said I'm among the giants <laughs> I felt a little claustrophobic and Ryan's like hey pastor you know and "Hey, like, hey guys how's it going you know what I relate to Zacchaeus he was a wee little man You know what he did? He's a chief among the people. He's rich. He basically has every reason to go, maybe someone else can do this for me. But you know there's certain things in your life that other people can't do for you. There's certain places other people cannot take you. Certain places that you have to get up from where you're at, take ownership and go, Lord, I want this issue resolved in my life. I've learned that Christians often ask, what's wrong with it? And like, why, why do Christians have to ask that question? Why not ask how it's going to edify or how it's going to make you a better Christian? Instead of kind of looking for the way out, go, I'm going to take ownership. This, this issue in my life is not making me a better child of God. I'm not going to go, well, it's just, you know, it's just the way it is. It's just who I am. You know what that is? That's a cop-out. That's you saying, well, it's just the way God. No, 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 listen to me right now. God is not responsible for your sin. Let me explain a little bit about doctrine. We are not hyper-Calvinist at this church. You know what that means? We don't believe that God ordains everything. God does not ordain sin. So when you sin, that's your choice. And when you allow issues in your life, that's you choosing that. And when you start seeing, they're flowing out of your life and now it's a big problem. That's also not God's fault. He's got the solution, but you've got to let your legs do the walking and get to Jesus and go, Lord, I've got an issue. That's right, amen. I know I mentioned this recently. I'm going to say it again. It scares me the amount of people that will go to a bible believing church and never come to an altar. Well, it's too full. You don't let, in, you don't let that hold you back from going in and out. You don't let that hold you back from Starbucks or Chick fil A that's got a glorious 20 mile lap of circles of cars going around. And you know what you say? We'll get there. They're so efficient. Yes, sir. Large fries. Yes, sir. Uh huh. You're like, we'll get there. No problem. Comes to church. Oh, church is too full. Can't go back. The, uh, the altar's too full. I don't want to get down there. Why would you do that with God and not do it in other places? You know, what the problem is lack of ownership. <laughs> I just wish the altar was bigger. Well, help us get a new building, we'll fix it up. <laughs> Take some ownership. You know what this woman is? She took ownership. Can I say this? It takes humility. Look at verse 23. It takes a little bit. Of, you know what all of us need every once in so a while a little bit of humble pie. Amen. Mark 5, look at verse 23. I want you to notice there's another person in line. I, imagine there's a whole crowd, and everyone's eyes are gazing on this one guy who's talking to Jesus. You know what she would have been at that point? A huge interruption. I'm thankful God doesn't mind interruptions. Amen. Amen. I'm glad when we are hurting and we are needy, he goes, go ahead, interrupt me. I'll be just fine. I will not quit being God. I will not get off. I'll still be on my throne. I'll still be God. Interrupt me when you need me. I'm thankful for that kind of God. But, but here's this man asking for help from Jesus Christ and this woman knows that and by her inserting herself in that situation, she goes, man, I'm going to look like an idiot. They are not going to like me. Quit caring what people think so much. Amen. If it's right, do it. Right. And if it's wrong, stop it regardless of what they say on either side. Amen. You know she was? She was untouchable. It was only the clean and the religious and the whole who thought they could have access to Jesus Christ. How do you know that? Because Jesus himself said, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. I'm so glad for the great physician in my life. The very man that's asking for Jesus' help here, Jairus. I'm not going to have you turn there, but in Luke chapter 8, you know what they tell him after the daughter's dead and they know it? Trouble not the master. In other words... You're going to look like an idiot, continuing to ask for help. She's dead. Just forget about it. And the Lord goes, uh, 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 I wish you'd trouble me more often. You know, one of my children shall remain unnamed. <laughs> At times, we'll try to open things or tie a shoe or something and just, can just see the frustration. And I'm standing right there. I'm going, what are they going to ask me? What are they going to ask me? That's your heavenly father. But you know, what, you know what our Heavenly Father won't always do? He won't always jump in and start tying your shoe. Because he wants to hear it from you. You know what that takes? A little humility. Amen. Amen. Here this woman comes and she's just basically just, I mean, just like this. Just a little touch of the garment. And everyone's pushing and shoving and there's a jostling crowd. And she just brushes up against the Lord. And then she tries to, to disappear and fade off back in the crowd. And the Lord goes, who touched me? You know what she does? She falls down before him and tells him everything. The Bible does not say everything that she said. I don't know for sure, but I wonder if she just starts pouring out her heart about when this issue started and why she thinks it started and how she tried this and how she tried that and she tried everything and nothing worked. You know how humbling it is to say, I've tried this and I've tried that and I've tried this and I thought I was right about everything, but I was wrong. At the time that a woman comes to the feet of Jesus Christ and begins weeping and washing his feet with her tears and anointing his feet with ointment. And you know what the Pharisee that had invited, Simon is his name, the one that had invited Jesus in his house to have meal. You know what he says? Whew. This guy can't be who he says he was. If he was, he would know who this woman was. And he would know she shouldn't be touching him. You know what the Lord says to to that man? He goes, hey, Simon, I'm glad you've learned some things at church and you know some things that are right and some things that are wrong. But I've been here this whole time. You didn't offer to anoint my feet. You didn't offer to wash my feet. You know why? Oh, that'd be a little bit too humbling to get down in front of somebody else and go, hey, let me take care of that for you. You know why Simon didn't get what that woman got in Luke 7? Because he wasn't willing to humble himself. You know why that woman in, that we're reading about here, this certain woman, who we don't even know her name. You know Jairus' name? Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue? Well, What's her name? No, nobody cares. But to Jesus, she, she was somebody. You see, humility has to be applied. You have to say to yourself, it's not, I'm not the center of the universe, and at the same time, God cares so much about me that I am willing to fall down before him and pour out my heart and tell him all the truth. Man, if you do that, what are they going to think of you? What are they going to say? At this point in my life, I tried physicians, I spent money, nobody else helped me anyways. I don't care what they think anymore. Kind of have to get over that. She falls down before him and weeps, pours her heart out. And I've learned this the right touch emphasizes character over talent. Look, if you would, at verse 25. Certain woman, no name. (laughs) What, What great talent does she have? Right? What does she bring to the Lord? Nothing but her disease. Imagine we're, you know, let, let's say that we are trying to, to, to build a company or, or maybe a, a sports team or something like that. You don't want the outcast. You know what? We played basketball the other day, and I had the limpy leg, and he had the limpy leg. And they said, okay, you limpy guys, you be captains. And you know what? We try, try to pick teams and all that. You mean, I remember when I was little, and, you know, you're playing dodgeball or whatever, and you don't get Anybody know what I'm talking about? and you don't get picked, you know, the feeling of dejection. I mean, you know why? Because if you're not the most talented, and you can't run fast, and you're not athletic, then we don't want you. Right. And, and listen, this woman had nothing to offer Jesus Christ. She had no talent whatsoever. You know she had, though? She had some character. Enough to say there's something wrong with me, and he's the one that can fix it, and I don't care what anybody else thinks about it. How about this? I don't come from a great Christian home. Okay. Maybe she didn't either. I'm not a preacher. She wasn't. Who cares? Who knows? You know what? God does. Over and over and over you find the phrase a certain man. A certain man. I, I love it watching these, you know, little sports things. I know. It's kinda cool to say this, you know, you score, you dunk, you do something. I'm him. <laughs> you ain't him. And you're probably not even the him that you think you are. Wait till you're 40. (laughs) You'll be like, I'm broke. (laughs) 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 See, what does this woman have? Some character. Some character. What great talent did the woman of Shunem have? Not much. What great talent did the boy that gave up his lunch have? You You know, I've learned in the Christian life, God, God values availability more than ability. Amen. And you know why? You know why some of you won't get the touch of God in your life. You know why some of these issues are going to keep coming back and over and over and over? Because in your mind, you think you have to have some kind of ability. And all God's looking at is, where are you? I'm working over here. I'm moving in this direction. Where are you at? well, Lord, you know the crowds, you know the people, you know this, and, and besides, I have nothing great to bring. And Lord's like, listen, you're missing it. Bring me your issues, I'll send you away whole. Amen. How long does she have this? 12 years. No answers, no help, no money left. You know, you know what the right touch indicates? It indicates the world's methods don't work. This woman did not need more education. She did not need more philosophy, more psychology. Conventional wisdom says dot, dot, dot. Society says dot, dot, dot. Look, if you would, at verse 26 in our passage. She had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered. Let me tell you right now, I I know I'm probably going to ruffle some feathers by saying this, but there are elements of psychology that cannot deal with the spiritual man like God does from that book right there. And you will try, and I'll never forget, listen, I'll give you my wife's testimony before she was saved. She was going to see a psychiatrist, psychologist or something, whatever it is, psychiatrist, psychologist. Someone correct me after church. Give me a moment right now. She's going to see that person, whoever they are, and she's sitting there because she's out of control. She's addicted to smoking and drugs and all kinds. Of, you say, oh, Miss Lacey? Yeah, Miss Lacey, when she was a teenager. 13 years of age, on depression, tried to take her life. And you know the psychologist, tell me everything that's going on. And let me just tell you, and I tell you, and I tell you, and I issue it out, and I issue it out. But I've got no answers. Then she got saved. Got in her Bible and allowed the Lord to do some things in her life. And she goes back to the same person. You know that person said? I'm not making this up. The person looked at her and said, Lacey, you're different. I don't know what it is, but I think we're done here. I'm just trying to tell you, the world's methods are temporary. They will not fix the issues because God knows what your issues are. Listen, here's what blows my mind. Blows my mind. I don't want to know the issues of your life like God does. I can't look into your heart like that, nor can any other person. But yet here's what Christians do. Well, I'll go and, and we'll go see a Christian psychologist. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. But let me ask you: If you're not willing to listen to what, what's said from the pulpit and from the preaching of the Word of God, you're going to tell me you're going to sit in front of someone else, talk for an hour, walk away, and go, "I got it all figured out." Right. If you're not willing to take what the medicine Jesus has given you, it's not going to work any other way. Right. And I'm not saying this to hurt you. If someone's going to say, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to get you to understand. It, it won't last. Usually, more, and whether it's that or listening, no, I've heard people say, oh, the, the problem is they just need more education. The reason society's in the mess of 10, we just need to educate everybody. Germany was 98 point something literate when a demon possessed man led that nation off a cliff in the 1930s. Education is not the answer. <laughs> Look at the higher institutions in America, that education is not. I didn't say don't get an education, don't get a degree, but you better understand that's not going to fix you. Your issues run way deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Some of them have been there for 12 years and some of them may have been there for 42. But you've got issues. And you understand this. When the world gives you an alternative to what God says is going to fix you and you don't take what God says is going to fix you and you don't apply it to your life and you start doing that, you know what? you're going to find yourself broke and frustrated. Right. Amen. What an indictment. What an indictment on the physicians that she, had, that she had seen! Don't walk out of here and say, "Pastor said, don't go to doctors." He wants us to be like the. Om-. I didn't say that any of that crazy stuff. <laughs> Pastor's gonna go Christian Scientists. Just feel better, and you'll be better. I didn't say that. <laughs> I don't believe that. Doctors have a place. Luke was a doctor. There are great doctors. You should go to the doctor. All right, look, look, when you bust yourself up, go to the doctor, get MRI. I'm not saying not to, but I'm going to tell you right now, there are certain elements that that the world looks to for the solution where you're not going to find them for your soul. You know, some of you are, you are unstable as water. One day you wake up. Well, I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind, and I'm feeling mighty fine, and just floating on clouds. And then something happens to your life, boom! Na 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 And you're like, I'm just depressed. You know what the problem is? You're unstable. You know what your real issue is? You haven't taken that to God. That's right. On earth, why you're unstable? and pour that out to the Lord and allow Him to address what will bring stability into your life. I didn't say it's going to happen overnight, but I'll tell you this much. You can, wa- you can walk away a lot more whole than you are right now. She was penniless, hopeless, and worse. One of the men that taught me the Bible, Brother Donovan, said this before he went down to Bible school. He's making good money, and his boss said, uh, Hey, Brian, don't waste your life digging ditches. You can have this, and you can have this, and you can have this. This is what's going to make you happy. This is what's going to bring the fulfillment. And I've seen him on more than one occasion with tears streaming down his face saying, Thank God I didn't listen to that guy. Amen. Look, if you would, at verse 27. Can I say this? The right touch is based on faith. The Bible says in verse number 27, when she had heard of Jesus, someone told her, thank God for that someone, whoever they are, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I would made but to touch his clothes. Man, what kind of faith is that? I, but Jesus, I need at least an hour and a half of time to sit down and tell you everything. <laughs> and look, the Lord wouldn't mind that, but you know, what, you know what this woman said? I don't even need, I just need to, I just need to touch him. I just know everything else that I've been touching hasn't worked. And she took the faith that she had applied into broken dreams and promises and she placed them in the one that could fix everything in her life. You know what it takes in your life to move in the right direction? Faith. Do you know what you don't always want to apply? Faith. You know what you think of? You think of, oh, the great missionaries. They had great faith. You know what? Let me just say right now, the older you get, can I get a witness on this? It takes faith to get out of bed. And know that you're not going to die by getting up. Yeah. You as a child of God, if you want to grow if you want to get these issues in the right place in your life, you know what's going to take your life? Lord, I know this. I know that, that everyone tells me, well, they've tried this and they've tried, but Lord, I want to place my faith in what you said is right. And Lord, if I can just get a touch. Lord, I, I don't need everything. I just need a touch. And the Lord goes, man, that kind of faith, I can work with that. I love Daniel. I'm reading through Daniel. Just finished Daniel this morning. And I love Nebuchadnezzar. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? <laughs> I love what these guys say. Our God whom we serve is able. <laughs> but if not, we will not serve thy gods. Nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. You know what that is? faith. That's faith. You know what's not faith? I have so much faith. Let me tell you about my faith. I have faith. I think I have faith. Let me tell you. you. know what faith is? It's something that believes something to the point of action. That's right. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, you know what? You might believe historically that there was a man named Jesus and he lived and he died. And you understand the historical account of Jesus. You know him as a historical figure But let me tell you something, that's completely different than saying, I'm going to take all of my faith for my salvation and my righteousness, and I'm going to place it on him. Two different things. Christian, can I say this? God's way is right because it's right, not because I like it. Those Hebrew boys, they didn't like what they were about to face, but it was the right thing, so you know what they did? They said, that's where we're going to place our faith. Well Lord, this is gonna be inconvenient, uncomfortable. It's gonna make me look like, you know, like I'm dirty. It's gonna all this kind okay, okay, fine. Then don't place your faith and just keep sitting out. Look if you would at verse 34. I'm thankful for a personal God. You know what that woman was to everybody else? Just an unclean woman. You know who she was to the Lord? daughter the right touch yields being made whole there's a story about a canaanite woman in matthew 15 and you know she says lord the dogs eat the crumb that fall from the master's table there's the blind man in mark 10 and There's the leper in Luke 17. And all these people, while they have different backgrounds and they're different races and different issues, they all get to hear the same thing from the Lord. Thou art made whole. If I could pray for the Lord to whisper anything down into your heart and soul this morning, it would be that. Thou art made whole. You might be grieving. You might be struggling with unforgiveness or bitterness. Maybe it's covetousness. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's lust. I don't know. But he wants you to be whole. I love when the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, you were this, and you were this, and you were this, and, and fornicators, and adulterers, and unclean. He lists this his laundry list over there in 1 Corinthians, and he says, but such were some of you, but ye are justified, but ye are washed. No more would this woman walk around and go, there's the unclean lady. You know what she would say? That's who I used to be. Amen. Amen. No longer were the maniac of Gadara. There goes the maniac. Hey, listen, if you want to call me a maniac for Jesus, go right ahead. But I've got a new name now. You know the story of Peter walking on water and he falls in. The Bible says he simply cries, Lord, save me. Now, think about this. Where was Peter walking to? He was walking to who? So he left a place of convenience to walk to where the Lord was moving. Hear me out. In the process of doing that, he learned some things about himself, about some of the issues that eventually would be some of his unraveling until he gets things right with God. Are you with me? He starts seeing the elements, and he falls. And he has very little time, so all he says is, Lord, save me. And immediately, the Bible says, Jesus reached forth his hand. And he grabbed him, and he pulled him up. When Peter gets back in that boat, I think he's thinking to himself, man, I was almost a goner. I've been on the high seas, but this is something else. And if it wasn't for being able to reach out and touch his hand, I would have been gone. If it's not for your ability to reach out and touch his hand, you're gone. I don't just mean physically, I mean spiritually, emotionally, mentally. He tells that one, daughter, daughter, be of faith, thy faith hath made thee If the Lord were to breathe something down in this church today, I would say, I'd love for Him to say, Go thy way, thy faith. You're about to walk out of here and go on with your life. And as you do, you know what I pray? I pray you can walk out a little more whole than you came in. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we thank you, Lord, for the word. God, thank you for the examples in the scriptures about people who get the help that they need. Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to be hard-hearted, not to ignore the issues that are below the surface, the issues, Lord, that can ruin us, the issues that creep in little by little. God, would you help us to see those things as you see them, Lord, things that can make us unclean. I know my soul, doctrinally, can't be unclean, but Lord, spiritually, 1 Corinthians 6, you talk about being cleansed of the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. God, would you help us? Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that isn't saved, that today they'd consider the great physician for their soul. If God's dealt with you. Don't, don't wait. Don't hesitate. Take advantage of the moment. You will not take advantage of the moment like this when you get to your car and you go run, get groceries and you pay the bill and all the other stuff. Embrace the moment that you're in and allow God to deal with your heart. I know God's people, been dealing with them for a while. I can can tell you a lot of times it's disappointment, expectations that don't work out as you hoped they would have. Boy, that'll cause some issues in life. You know what I'm saying to you this morning? Just come to Jesus. Reach out. You reach out, I guarantee you, His hand. The Bible says in Isaiah, over and over and over, His hand is stretched out still. His hand is stretched out still. His hand is stretched out still. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're not going to rush this. Let me ask you this question are you saved do you know that you're going to heaven when you die do you know God is your father and heaven is your home if that's a yes raise your hand and say yeah preacher that's me a lot of hands appreciate that let me ask you this question if you could not raise your hand and you're not sure that you're saved Can I encourage you to do something? Have a little bit of courage. Have a little bit of faith. And realize he's the only one that can clean this issue up for you. The issue of your soul. The salvation of your soul. And with no one looking around. If you're here and you're not saved and you'd like to be saved. No one's looking. Just you and God. I won't point you out. I'll pray for you though. Would you be willing to raise your hand and go, Preacher, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure that I've ever been born again. I see that hand, I appreciate it. I see that, appreciate it. Lord, I, I pray that you would, Lord, help those who raise their hand, Lord, have courage to not just leave this place without someone opening up a Bible and showing them how they can be born again. If you're here, and you raise your hand, can I encourage you to do something? Maybe a little different. You go, this is super out of my comfort zone, preacher. Let me tell you something. Getting out of your comfort zone for a few minutes could be the difference between eternity in hell and eternity in heaven. It is worth a little bit of being uncomfortable. And by the way, you are with friends. You know what we want? We want you to be saved. There are no one has ever gotten saved at New Heights Baptist Church where after they got saved, people were like, "Uh uh-huh, knew they were a sinner. You know what everybody says when you get saved? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. If you're here and you raise your hand, or maybe you didn't have the courage to, but you know you're not saved, I'm going to ask you to do something very specific. At the close of this service, I'm going to stand over by that door right where Miss Virginia's at right there going downstairs if you'd like to get saved can I, can I encourage you to do what this woman did she went to where the Lord was moving if you'd like to come we'd love to, we'd love to be able to show you from the Bible what it means to be saved if you're a young man I'll open it up for you if you're a young lady I'll make sure there's another lady there so you don't feel uncomfortable, but this is worth your time. The greatest issue of your life. Look, there were Christians at this, all over this altar. You know what that shows you? Even after you're saved, you have issues. Can I get a witness? (laughs) However, the greatest issue of your life is what will you do with Jesus Christ? here to tell you how you can be saved, and how you can know Him. We're going to pray, and after we pray, we'll close the service, and I'll be standing right there. I don't want you to feel embarrassed. We'll, we'll be glad if you come with questions about how to be saved. But I'll wait there. And church family, if I don't get to say goodbye to you, bear with me. I'm, I'm a little concerned about people that may have a need right now. Let's, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. I hope you guys got something out of the Word of God today. Hope the Lord spoke to you. It's a blessing to have the Geiger family with us, and uh, they're uh, checking Colorado out, and I'm going to be with Brother Paget this uh, afternoon, uh, so pray for them as they travel up to Loveland. Uh, but Brother, it's been good to have you, and uh, I, I don't know him that well, I haven't spent a lot of time with him, but just during the service, I've enjoyed having you here, and I appreciate you guys coming our way. Would you please dismiss us in a word of prayer? Yeah. Amen. 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 God bless you. New members' class in a little bit. Just hang tight.